Bibles, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's pray to the Lord. God, you've been incredibly kind to us. The fact that we get to be a part of corporate worship and hear the saints singing together, lifting up your name together has done something special to me today. I'm thankful. God, I thank you for your word, the clarity of today's scripture, and I pray that you would make it clear to every listener, and God, it would penetrate their hearts today. God, may you be glorified as we Continue worshiping through the reading and teaching of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. Man, thank you, John. That was... It's like going to a, watch one of your kids play at a ball game or something. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, and they're all... I mean, they're not... I mean, I don't know. It's just really, really, really unique to sit down there and hear you guys singing and and there's a lot of you here today. <laughs> um, thanks for being here. No, we, we are excited. If you're a guest with us, man, just thank you so much. Um, we are in, right in the middle of a, a series that we do every summer. Uh, we do an elder series, and we do this for a couple of reasons. As one is uh, we need to make sure Cody's here for the long haul, so he needs a little bit of a break. Uh, and also that we're a plurality of pastors here, and so uh, everybody that's a table that's a pastor has a say in it and holds the same weight. And so we want to make sure that you get to hear from those folks like Alan Easterwood and, and, and Dale Turner and folks that you are going to be hearing in the next few weeks, Tony and some others. Uh, and so I drew this week. Um, but we are excited to be able to be a part of this, and we're in Ephesians chapter 4, which really is... It's a transitional chapter in the book. Um, we see that in the first couple of two or three chapters that uh, it's kind of focusing on what Christians should believe. And we really see the climax of the first half of the book in chapter 2, verse 8. And as we know this very popular passage, how as sinners we can be made alive and gain salvation by grace through faith. Pretty important one. You're going to want to circle that one, put a little rocket ship or something beside it. Um, and then the last three chapters really focuses on more on God's grace to the church and to families. And so the, a couple of weeks ago when Dale preached, we talked about unity of the body. Uh, and then last week, Alan did just, man, just an incredible job speaking on gifts and how that your gifts 
contribute to the body and that if we don't use our gifts, part of the body could suffer. And so let me encourage you, if that's you today even, like there's a tell me more card right in front of you if you want to get, figure out how to get serving here. Um, that's a good way to do that, um, just so we can know how to get you plugged in. So by now, if, if, you, if we are friends on uh, Facebook or social media, you, you have probably seen, or maybe even you've heard from the pulpit, um, that, that Tasha and I, my wife, have began a, uh, the wonderful life experience of remodeling a home. <laughs> and we have picked a great time to do it. <laughs> Inflation's at like a 40-year high. Um, but who, who's counting? Um, and, and you know what's crazy about this? I've heard that like there's three times in your marriage that like um, that, you, that you fight the most, and it has to do with sex, money, and remodeling, <laughs> and those those three things. So if you're a new married couple, you're gonna, gonna want to highlight that. So um, just remember that. So uh, and when I say remodel, let, let me let me just clarify. I'm not talking about you got a three-day weekend and, like, you want to rip a floor out of a bathroom and put down some pretty tile, okay? I'm talking about, like, a sh- like everything goes, like, straight to the bones, um, a- a gutted, okay? Nothing, like, we're talking everything's out of it, uh, non-livable space, okay? Um, and, and you have to take the idea, and remember here that the, this house was built, and it was built probably in like the late 1800s. And so we're dealing with like square nails, that kind of stuff. Okay, that's, that's where we're at in life. <clears throat> but so as this process began, like we, our house kind of sold a little quicker than we thought it would, which, which many of you probably have been there, which we're thankful for. So we ended up living with my parents and have been there for a long time. <laughs> and I'm sure my parents are watching this because they're, they're at home today. So um, hi, Mom. Um, we love living there, and we really, we, we say that, it sounds bad, but we really do. We're, we are thankful. Um, but as we began this process of trying to figure out, like, man, what do we do? What, 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 do we, we want to build a new house? Do we want to remodel a, a house? Do we want to um, wait and buy something maybe that pops up that's kind of new? Or do we want to take what we have and just burn it to the ground and start over? That was an option that was literally on the table at one point. <laughs> Uh, I was like, I can tear this. We call the Hall's Fire Department. Man, we'll have a good time. <laughs> and, um, but we just kind of kept being just drawn back to this idea of, of taking what was there and just bringing it back to life. And look, we're no Chip and Joanna. Like, I get it. Like, we're, you're, you're probably, some of you are flipping out that we threw away some tongue and groove, okay? Um, but it's okay. But we just kind of, what, what is it about the whole idea of restoration, of restoring things um, I think of people that um, that restore like old cars. Uh, maybe that's you. Maybe maybe have you guys seen these like Airstream campers that people have taken and like the big metal like silver box things? Man, those are those are like gorgeous. After somebody's, I, I love to see the process of the way that gets there. Some of you in this church, I've seen your um, your your photos of taking things that have been like just old and weathered and you've restored them and you've made them into this beautiful piece that you probably sold for like three times what it was worth. <laughs> but who's, uh, that's okay. That's your call. And, that's, and, and we're thankful that you have the ability to do that. Um, but we just hope you tithe off that. And, and so, you know, I start getting nervous when I start making jokes. And so the best thing for you to do is just to not laugh because um, that encourages me. But there really is, there's something special of, about seeing where something was seeing some, where something is and, and seeing where something can be. 
seeing something go literally from death to life. From um, There's just something unique about that. And it's exciting. It's, being, it's exciting to be able to give something life. And so as we look at the text today, my prayer is that, and I said it during the opening prayer, is that, that the scriptures today would just absolutely penetrate your heart. It's a very easy scripture when you look at it, and you can easily apply it to your life. And honestly, we could probably just read it and just go to lunch. Um, but we're going to dig a, a little deeper. Um, and so I, I pray that today that the Lord would just open your eyes to where you were, where you are right now, and, and, and where you can be. Okay, that, that's, that's our goal to look at today. So as, as we look at the passage, we're just going to break it down uh, one verse at a time. It says in verse 17, now, now this I say and testify in the Lord. And let's just stop right there. Uh, why, would, why would Paul say that? Why would, he's making a statement here to, to get the uh, church at Ephesus to get their attention. He's, he's saying this to get our attention. He could have just said, and I say, and then say what he said. But he said, he wanted to bring some emphasis to that, right? He said, I say, and I testify in the Lord. Like, I say, and testify in the Lord. Not only do I say this, but I'm testifying. I'm giving evidence. I'm bearing witness in the Lord. He's using this to say, hey, listen to me here. What I'm about to say to you is the truth. What I'm about to say to you is the truth because I say this from the authority of the Lord. That you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Don't walk like the Gentiles. Pretty straightforward, right? Or the non-Christians. Like we, we understand that Gentiles could be used ethnically speaking, but, but here we understand that Paul is using this in a, in a moral sense. It would be similar if we were to use the, 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 the term pagan or in the pagan ways. You may have heard that. And that's what Paul is saying here. He says, with the authority from God, Christian, no longer walk, no longer live like the pagan culture that surrounds you. And so I think it's important to think about the context of the day. Contextualization is a big deal. Um, but the church of Ephesus was surrounded by paganism, okay? Ephesus was a leading commercial and cultural city in the Roman Empire. Um, but you guys know as, as the bigger the cities, there's, 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 there's things that come with that. And for Ephesus, it had become a hub for all types of paganism, for worldly pleasures, some historians would say that it's even the most lewd and lustful, um, sensual city of all of Asia Minor. Think like Las Vegas Boulevard and, and Bourbon Street had a baby. Okay, that's, that's kind of what we're thinking. That's, that's where we're at. Um, it just, and, and honestly, it was a very populated area, and so a population of over 200,000 plus. And during certain times of the year, during celebrations, specifically like of Artemis, the Greek goddess of, of the hunt, those numbers could triple. So we're talking over half a million people. And the church of Ephesus is right in the middle of it. And a lot of the folks there, a lot of the converts there, the new creations there, had likely been involved with that paganism, with some of that, with, with, with that sin. And they would be faced, it, faced with it every day. And on their way to work, once they got to work, on their way home, in the market, with their old friends group, they, they, you, you couldn't get away from that temptation and that's, that's the same boat that we're in, right? And this is why it, it was a constant temptation for them. And this is why Paul is stating this with such urgency and such clarity. 
since we have entered into a walk with Christ, a new relationship, we are to not walk or live as we once did. Now we are to walk like what we saw back in chapter 4, verse 1, which is walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you've been called, right? In which we've been called and to devote our entire lives to Christ. What's the second part of verse 17? It says, Now say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Now, why does it say that? We see, we see the word futility a lot. We see it in Ecclesiastes a lot, talking about futile ways. Um, but in this particular case, he's talking about the futility of their minds, their, their empty thinking. He's reminding us that before we came to Christ, our minds, our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, everything about us was empty. It was dead. He's reminding the church there of this. He's reminding us of this. And so let's take our, our way back machine for a second. Do you remember that time in your life? Man, I, I do. When, when, when everything you tried left you empty? Man, I do. Because in our minds, if you think back to that moment or that time in your life, reality is we, we thought we had it figured out, right? We thought we had it all figured out, lined up, ready to go. But what we didn't realize in that time was that our minds were filled with emptiness. They were futile. And it all starts with our minds. Our sinfulness comes from our mind. John MacArthur says it like this. I thought this was good. This, this is why the first step in repentance is a change of mind about oneself, about one's spiritual condition, and about God. Paul goes on to inform, remind the readers in verse 18 and 19. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. Verse 19, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice in every kind of impurity. And so when I read passages like this and I think about my own sin, and I think about the things in my heart that, maybe are hard a little and maybe a little calloused. I begin to think like, man, is that, is that me? Is that, is he, <laughs> it's, it's pretty clear. And I think, man, like, and if I'm just honest with you, like I, I struggled this week. And like, that's one thing I think Cody said it last, a couple weeks ago that like one thing he likes about the elders and I'm one of these guys, like I'm just going to cut myself and bleed right in front of you and, and let, the, let it lay where it lays, okay? And so if I'm honest with you, man, I, I struggled this week. I struggled with just focusing. Um, you would think having a quiet office would, would, uh, would make it easy to focus, but not this guy. I struggled balancing work and home and remodeling. And, and it's just like a lot of you men, I've talked with you, I've counseled with you, I've spoken with you, and, and, and you've told me this. Like, I, I'm having a hard time like, balancing this walk with Christ and the walk with my wife and, or my spouse and and, and, and leading my children and, 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 and leading other men and discipling people. Like, I just have a hard time balancing all of that. And I may or may not have had a pity party this week. <laughs> just being honest with you. But, but at some point, I think it was Tuesday morning, it's just, just reading over the word, reading over the word. I was able to stop and remember and think about, he's talking to this church here. And I was able to stop and remember that how the Lord has brought me from death to life. 
And I was able to remember how that he has enlightened my eyes and granted me wisdom to understand things that, that 10, 15 years ago I would not have been able to understand. And how he's brought me into the life of God and how he has softened my heart. And church, we, those of you that are in Christ, you need to be reminded of that today. We need to be reminded that this, and beyond, you need to listen to this warning from Paul. Don't live like you used to. He says they've become callous and Callous to what? Now, now, I have keyboard callous from typing, um, but I do have. It's a joke. You can laugh. Um, but I don't. But some, but yeah. But some of you, like, I shake some of your hands, and it's like, what do you? I think literally some people sit around with six-degree sandpaper and just rub it and say, "Oh, that'll be a good callous tomorrow." I shake some of these people's hands, and it's like, dude, your hand is like serious. But we know that a callous, and I've got some calluses from playing guitar because that's cool, right? Um, but we know that callous, what happens is like you do the same thing over and over again, you wear it down, and, and then it kind of scabs over, and it's kind of disgusting, and then you probably peel it off or whatever. Um, but at some point, like, it becomes where, like, you, you just don't feel it anymore. Like, you can't tell that it's there. Like, you just, I mean, it's just hard. Like, I can't I have no feeling in the tips of my fingers. But isn't, isn't that how our sin works? We, we sin, and then we repent. And then we sin and we sin and we repent. And then we sin and we sin and we sin and we repent. And, and before you know it, we, we, we sin and we sin and we sin and we sin and we sin. And the things that used to bother us, the things that used to convict us, the things that used to be, we were able to understand that we're sin no longer tugs at our heart like it used to because we've been callous. We've become callous to it. We never intended to get hooked on the sensual pleasures of the world. But that's where it leads us if we ignore it. If we suppress it and push through it, man up, woman up, whatever, like push through it. I'm, I'm, I'm strong enough. I can do this. I can do this. That's where it, le it leads us to a callous lifestyle. Callous to our sin. The truth is, we all are messed up. We're all dirty. We, we, and the root of it all is sin. It's unconfessed sin. Sin that we become callous to because we see it, because we're surrounded by it. Like It is engulfed in our brains on everything we watch, on everything we listen to, on the people at work and how they talk and the things you're around. It is, you're around sin all the time. And eventually, you get callous to it if you're not careful. That's the warning we're hearing from Paul here. And that, that sin that we're engulfed in eventually becomes our idol. And our idolatry eventually will lead to immorality. Now, that's bad news, right? And you're like, wow, that's kind of, that's heavy today. But, but, but God. But the good news is that God can transform any of us by his grace and the Ephesians were just like us, man. They were just like us. And many of them had become new creations. But Paul knew what they were dealing with on a daily basis. And he's warning them, don't, don't live like that, man. What's he going to, uh, <laughs> he goes on to verse 20 and says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. This is a direct re reference to salvation. To learn Christ is to be saved. And we see that in Matthew 11, chapter 29, one of the best verses 
of, 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 of salvation, in my opinion, in, in the Bible. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now, this is, this is not a formal education. We're talking learn. He's talking, but this is more of a transformational education in which Christ is the subject. The language that Paul is using here is relational. And when you become a Christian, it's not just information that you learn about Jesus. It's not just about Jesus' teachings, having this all figured out. It's, it's you develop a relationship with him. Continue on, verse 20, but not the way that you learned Christ, but assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Now, I love the way that, that, that Paul writes this, and maybe it's just me thinking too much into it. But when I read that, like, I don't know, when I hear that, like, I, I feel he's going, uh, but that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him, like, I just get this inflection there, uh, and then I think, man, maybe he's being a little chirpy here. Maybe he's being a little passive-aggressive. Um, assuming that you've heard about him. But in reality, we know that he's not been to Ephesus in a long time. So what he's doing here is he's, he, he knows there's false teachings there. He knows the temptations that are there. So he's just kind of taking a break and saying, look, I, I, need, to, I need you to be reminded of the absolute necessity of hearing about the real Jesus. He wants to make sure they've heard about Christ. He wants to make sure that they have come to know him relationally and that they are in a real relationship. And that's the question that we have to ask ourselves today. That's the question I'm asking you. It's have you come to know, really, really know Jesus? Because if you haven't, you can't live this new life that we're talking about. It's not about keeping a checklist or a set of rules like I did when I first became a Christian. We were just talking the other day. Um, we were playing a game on the way home yesterday of something about music and it was in 2000, it's like Tasha said, this is a 2004 hit, blah, blah, blah. And, and I was like, I got glue. And she's like, what, you've never heard of this? I was like, no, I've, I've never heard of it. I don't know a clue what you're talking about. And she's like, you've never heard this song. I was like, I've never heard this song. I said, when was it? She said, 2004. I was like, oh, yeah, I was pretty legalistic in 2004. Like, <laughs> I had just come to Christ, which was a good thing. But, like, it was so drastic of a change. Like, it was like, I mean, like, I, I don't know. It was just a different world. I don't know why I got into that. But uh, we'll talk later on that. I'll do a podcast or something. We'll cover that. Um, <laughs> holy moly. I don't know where I'm at. Um, so we are, um, it's about a relationship with him. That's the question we ask today. Is do you really know? Have you come to really know Jesus? Again, it's not about, it's not even about, it's not even about believing in a God. It's not even about knowing all this information about Jesus. It's about knowing Jesus. It's about knowing Christ. It's about knowing him. John 17, 3, Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. This is eternal life. That's what he says. What's really neat about verses 20 and 21, I think it's something that we, we know, but I think we often overlook, and I think it's kind of neat, is that, that Christ is the teacher and Christ is the context. Because Paul, Paul says that you, you were taught in him, referring to an ongoing teaching that happens after you become a Christian. 
So we see that Ephesians were taught by Christ, about Christ, for Christ. All of this searching, and we're just searching, we're just looking for the truth, and the truth is Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. The truth is Jesus. And lastly, we see three imperatives that include two doctrinal foundations about Christian holiness. We're going to blow through the last section here. We see that we are to put off. We see that we are to be renewed. And finally, to put on. It might be helpful if we look at Colossians 3, 8 through 10. You can flip over there if you like. Colossians 3, 8 through 10, or just listen. It says, but now... You must also put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. So since the old self has already been removed and the new self has already been put on, the command here is to put away specific sins. Again, don't walk as the Gentiles do. Don't walk as the pagans did. Since, since you've already taken off the old self and put on the new, you literally need to put away sin every day. Put it to death. We, we have to live like we are different people because we are different people, church. John Stott said it like this, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, but he says, because you already put off your old self, in that specific and decisive act of repentance, which is called conversion, we can be commanded to put away the practices which belong to the old self, which belong to the old rejected life. The two foundations of holiness that are found here as a Christian, uh, two of the uh, foundations of holiness, is a new creation and a new mind, a new creation and a new mind. Those go together, man, like they're, they're organic. They absolutely are connected to each other because, as, because we are a new creation, we have a new mind. And because we have a new mind, we can understand that we are a new creation. This whole putting on and putting off uh, is pulled from the way we dress, right? I mean, it's pretty straightforward. And we usually, for the most part, we dress to the occasion, right? Um, if you're going to a wedding, generally you're going to dress a certain way. If you're going to a funeral, you're going to, I mean, I know, I get it. We're in Alabama. You pretty much wear jeans to anything. Um, I almost wore jeans today. Uh, so, which has been totally acceptable, and I'm cool with that. Um, but we, for the most part, we generally, generally dress to the occasion, right? Even in our, our, our jobs, there are people here that, that we know they're dressed, ready to go to work. Maybe they're a health care worker, and that you, can, you spot them. You know how they are because the way they're dressed. Uh, maybe it's a, a Honda employee. Everybody sees a Honda employee coming a mile away. Like, we know how they dress. Like, it's uh, military personnel. Like, there's, there's so many like, police officers, fire, firemen, like, all that stuff. You, you know they, they dress a certain way, and you can call them out. Like, even, even like in... Like I made an example earlier, but even like like clergy, like us, like pastors, like you know, if you see the, the skinny jeans and the thin round glasses and white sneakers, that you're, it's either a barista or it's a millennial worship pastor. <laughs> and it's just, it just, it just is. 
Think about this, like, even like uh, prisoners, convicts, the same. Like you recognize that, you see that, you know who they are. Like, you, like you, you recognize them. They do the same. But in that instance, but the moment they are free, what happens? They change what they're wearing. They put off one role and they put on another. And since we are a new creation, we must fully put off the old ways, the old self, and put on the new. We must rid ourselves of the old standards that we were living by and take on the new standards. Our new role, our new self, is going to require a wardrobe change. It means a new life completely from the inside out. And so right now, if you were to... Take a drive down to the big metropolitan of Able, Alabama, <laughs> and you drove down County Road 137, 336, and you saw this white house up on a hill with a pretty freshly cut lawn, big cedar tree, red tin roof. You might even drive by on a Friday and, and see a, a dad out playing catch with his son. You'd look at that picture and you'd go, man, this, this, looks, this, this family's got it all together. They've got it all figured out. Look at that, picture perfect. But when you open the door, you quickly see that it's empty. It's dirty. It's not livable. In fact, there's literally nothing on the inside. It's empty. It's gutted. It's in need of being raised from death to life to take off the old and put on the new from the inside out. For some of this, for some of you guys this morning, man, this describes you. You clean up well, but you play church. Jesus has some pretty strong words for, for those that are faking it in Matthew 23, 25. He addresses this when he says, You hypocrites, clean the inside first, man. Clean the inside. You're never going to get it right if you try to clean the outside first. It's not going to happen. Take off the old and put on the new. God, Listen to me. God's grace is sufficient. 100%. Others of you, you, you need to hear this warning today. That, that sin that you're fooling with, the temptations that you're dealing with, that you've been falling into, you may be getting too comfortable with. Maybe getting calluses. And I'm telling you, Paul is telling you that that's not how you learned Christ. That's not how you learned Christ. You've been created in the likeness of God. Put it away. It's the old self. Put the old self to death. As we close, remember today. I want want to leave you an encouraging note. Remember today that you have come to know Christ You're a new creation. You have a mind that's being renewed. And because of this, you have the ability and the power to live out this new identity every day. You have that ability. Because we know where the power to change comes from. We see it vividly in this passage. It comes from the Lord God. We desperately need new hearts. We desperately need new desires and new minds and a new power 
And when you are in Christ, that is exactly what you have. Let's pray together. Thank you for watching or listening to one of our sermons. We would love to have the opportunity to connect with you one-on-one. We are not a perfect church, but we are a joyful church, and we want to help you increase your joy in Christ. We would love for you to come and worship with us one day soon. You'll be able to find information about our worship services, about who we are, what we believe, what we do, and what we're hoping to accomplish on our website at ironcity.org. And we would invite you to go and to check out all the information there. We look forward to seeing you soon. 